your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome once again, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of drive time. I want to welcome those of you listening to our program for the very first time. You have arrived at the right place at the right time, and I'm sure you'll find out pretty soon for the right reason. So thank you for taking the time to join us on our show today. And for our returning listeners, our listenership just continues to grow and grow, and I keep getting feedback and commentaries and testimonials from people from all over the world now. And that's exciting to know that this show is making the impact that I wanted to have when I first launched the show. Coming up on three years, we're entering our third season of broadcasting in just a few weeks. We're going to have a celebration, that's for sure. But I want you to know that today's show is going to be the show that delivers for you yet another episode of value that you are going to enjoy. And for those of you that are returning, you will know that we're consistent with the value that we continue to present here, which is why we continue to grow. And today's going to be no different. We're going to dive into a conversation that deals with developing the traits of those who get ahead. And I, I was thinking about traits of a winner. But the reality is that it's more than just a winner. You can have the traits of a winner but never expose them, never really dive deep into the development of those traits. So they lie dormant underneath the surface waiting for you to make a decision to activate those gifts, those talents of a winner. Well, we're going to talk about how do you develop those traits that lie beneath the surface so that you can achieve the next level of advancement that you're looking for in any area of your life. But specifically, we're going to talk about the disciplines of developing those traits that lie underneath beneath the surface with none other than, I think, one of the best guys who can speak about this because he's got the traits of a champion. His resume is full of display of traits, accomplishments, achievements that he's had because he's learned how to tap into those traits of a champion, traits of, of those who are eager and ambitious to advance. Jeffrey Hazlett is going to be joining us on the show today. Jeffrey is no stranger to the global business community. He's a household name. He's the chairman and founder of the C-Suite Network. He's the host of the C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV. He's a Hall of Fame speaker, a best-selling author. He was a former judge on The Apprentice uh, right there making decisions for three seasons. And so the guy is no stranger to understanding the development of healthy traits that allow you to become all that you can be. So we're excited to hear from him. And on the heels of that, we're going to have a chance to hear from someone in our business spotlight section that I think you're going to enjoy her perspective, her point of view, based on the work that she does as the founder and CEO of Rich Results. Jolene Rich is coming back on the program. She was here not too long ago delivered tremendous value to the HR community and to the talent acquisition community. But what she's going to talk about today is something that I believe is the unspoken, uh, it's an unspoken uh, conversation. I, I think that if you're honest, most the directors and CEOs and HR management uh, personnel would agree that there tends to be a cognitive bias when you are hiring people. And she's going to challenge us to think about 
how do you overcome, first of all, how do you recognize that you are um, dealing with or possibly maybe not recognize but become aware that cognitive bias could play a role in your ability to attract new talent, hire new talent, retain new talent? So she's going to dive into that. She's an expert in the field. So Jolene Rich is going to join us shortly as well. So we've got a jam-packed program today. I want you to know that this is the place you can come to to continue to find true value week to week to week. And if you've not had a chance, by the way, to check me out on my other platform, make sure that you visit my site, thejmaney.com. That's my general site. I've got tentacles from that site that you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, the talk show site. You can have access to all of my books. And by the way, speaking of books, I'm very excited about my upcoming book. I know many of you have texted me. Many of you have sent me messages on Facebook. When is it launching? When is it launching? You've been talking about it for a handful of months. Well, my book, The Top 10 Toxic Traits, and I love that word, toxic. You know, you can't say toxic. There's certain words you can't say without emphasis, and toxic is one of those words. <laughs> well, it's the top 10 toxic traits that keep you broke, busted, and disgusted. And uh, it's a fun book, but boy, it's an insightful book that makes you take a hard look at yourself and hopefully to help you understand why you keep getting in your own way when it comes to achieving success and advancement and getting to the next best version of you. That book will be out in a couple of months. I'm in the final stages of editing, so be patient, folks. That book will be out soon, and you'll get more information on that on all of our sites. But before I go into the break, I just want to share with you my Thrive Talk for today's program. And my Thrive Talk is a very simple theme, and it's related to the show. I think a lot of people have undiagnosed gifts, undiagnosed talents. I mean, you, you never took the time to know what you're good at. You've never taken the time to really pay attention to what moves you, what gives you the most, uh, what brings you the most joy. What are you good at that others struggle with? What are you naturally gifted in doing that others have to take courses and classes and see coaches to get better at? See, that's your gift. That's your calling. And I think a lot of us walk around with this undiagnosed uh, talent and, and, and gifts that lie beneath the surface, and it becomes detrimental to our progress. So I want to encourage you, take some time to develop, to diagnose and develop your gifts and your talents. That means you've got to hit the pause button. There's times you're going to have to hit the pause button and take some time away, possibly by yourself, and begin to ask yourself the tough questions. What makes me happy? What do I find thrill in thinking about on a daily basis? And maybe that is something that internally is a signal that you should pursue whatever it is that makes you most, uh, that makes you the happiest, that, that gives you joy, that you are uh, naturally creative in. Only you can answer that. And I'm going to say some folks, we've got, Coming up on this very, very quickly, I believe in the next five, ten years, and all the reports, all the research, all the headlines, all the pundits are all stating it, AI is going to, artificial intelligence is going to replace a lot of the jobs that are here today. Well, can I encourage you? 
if you have a mid-level, low-level job, if it's just a, uh, a job or a position that is, doesn't require a scale that AI can't duplicate or AI can't really do as well as a human can, then you better start finding what other skills and talents you can develop so that five, ten years from now, you don't find yourself on the struggling end because what you currently do now has been phased out. Get ahead of the curve. And you get ahead of the curve by knowing what you are naturally gifted at that can bring value to the world and then pursue that with relentless pursuit with a hunger and a desire like you've never had before. And I can promise you, you'll arrive at a place that you'll be happy, you'll be grateful that you did that, but you're going to see the world in a whole different light. And a lot of the things that maybe you're not experiencing right now, you'll begin to experience. Go dig deep. Find out what you are good at. Find out what talents you have been embedded with when you stepped into this dimension because they were given to you for a reason and it may not be exactly what you're doing right now. Folks, that's the Thrive Talk. And we're just getting started on the Jay Made Me Talk Show. We'll be right back with Jeffrey Hazlett after the break. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I had said earlier that our guest today was a spectacular individual who had the credentials and a resume worthy of being on the Jay Mamie Talk Show to address our audience. Jeffrey Hazlett. I mentioned is not only a global business celebrity, but he's a well-traveled speaker. He's the author of four business best-selling business books, but someone who's often cited in Forbes and Success Magazine, Mashable, and Marketing Week is someone that has the wisdom and the credentials to be cited in such resources, uh, and for good reason, too. Jeff is not only the primetime television host of C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett and a number of other programs, uh, but he's a global business celebrity. He was also the chairman of C-Suite Network, which we're going to have a chance to chat about that as well. It's one of the, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite leaders. But he's a former Bloomberg contributing editor and a primetime host, and he's appeared as a guest celebrity judge on the popular NBC's Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump for three seasons. Jeff, that's quite a resume. Welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Hey, it's great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's always good to... Here's some of the background of on, on yourself, even <laughs> and kind of relive some of those moments, right? Always cool, always cool. Well, you know what? It's it's something that has to be highlighted. I, I think the the hard work that you've put in, my brother, has uh, impacted the lives of others, and you're nowhere near the ending of your story. I think you're in the preface of your story, and there's many more lives that are going to be impacted by the goodness of you, uh, especially those that are listening to this program. But I want to hit the ground running immediately, Jeff, and I want to mm -hmm. talk about great. I want to talk about great and greatness, okay? So in your observations, in your experience, in your world travels, what makes a 
great company, a great business, a great entrepreneur, a great leader, and most importantly, a great brand that is memorable? I know it's a loaded question, so go for it. You know, but I think it's actually easy. You know, to some extent, you could say a great company today is one that delivers, just delivers on its promise. But if you really think about it, you got to go beyond that and think bigger. And a company that actually delivers beyond the promise—that's that's a great, mm. a great company, a great business, a great entrepreneur, a great leader. You know, a great brand. It's one that over delivers, right? So you, you have mm-hmm. this expectations, what I would call conditions of satisfaction. But they, they go beyond it, and it's like, holy moly, that, that's above and beyond. And when you see that, whether it, you know, it's an entrepreneur or it's a company, a business, you know, and, and by the way, it's hard to separate those, you know, because I mm-hmm. say you sell yourself, you sell the company, you sell the company, you sell yourself. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the most important thing. You know, a brand, when you look at a brand, a lot of people always ask about that too. What's a brand? Well, brand is a promise delivered, right? That's really the essence of a brand, but a great brand, a great entrepreneur, a great leader, great company, great business is always someone or somebody or something that delivers beyond what's expected. Yeah, I, I love the way you said that. It's it's really making a, a promise, committing to the promise. And i got to tell you something, my friend. Today, that's in short supply, isn't it? Right? Oh, People yeah. Actually, I mean, that's why that's, right? that's exactly <laughs> why I said to some extent just being a good company, you know, just delivering, just getting it across the line is is what you see. You know, I was in a restaurant this weekend for the first time in, in literally for years where I've I saw so many wait staff. I saw more people running around than normal because we're so used to having, quite frankly, shitty service, uh, a less mm-hmm. than memorable experience. And, and here I was, and, this, and I'll give the kudos to the restaurant. It's called First Watch. And they had so many staff, and they were just geared up for it. And, you know, of course, it was still early in the day. But nonetheless, they had everybody there, and it was just – I remarked to the manager. I said, this is amazing to see this many people here working. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it, you know. You know, I, I like that because the, the the whole component of delivering on a promise is, number one, you've got to have the confidence – that you can deliver, right? So don't don't make the statement uh, or promise or commit to something that you already know in your heart whether your desire to to make that commitment is less than or you don't have the resources available to make that commitment come to pass. And something as simple like a restaurant. I know First Watch. It's a great place. I eat there too, by the way. Uh, yeah. they, they, you walk in there. You know, number one, you're going to get service and you're going to be treated properly and they're going to deliver on the promise of good service and good food, and you're right, that in itself <laughs> makes someone memorable, right, just delivering yeah. on that promise. So pure wisdom. Some, you know, sometimes there's so much wisdom in the simple things, and yet we overcomplicate it, right? We well, we should, listen, we should listen to our grandmothers and grandfathers and mothers and fathers because they, they give some pretty practical advice, and, you know, if we just followed some of that stuff, we'd be a lot further along, and not only just in our businesses, but certainly in life. You know, you're funny you mention that because in one of my books, I, I talk about my, my mom. My mom passed away, but she's uh, she lived to be 85, 88 years old. And she says back in her day, if you shook on something, if you you're, if you shook and you made a promise, that other person who made that, who shook that hand and made that commitment, you didn't have to second guess whether or not they were going to deliver. That handshake was as good as gold. Today, my friend, as you know and I know, 
handshakes, man. You have to forget the handshakes. You have to get stuff in blood stone in order to get someone to commit. And even that doesn't hold them to that commitment. Um, so you're right. The wisdom of our parents is is gold, brother. It is gold. Yeah, those va- those values aren't shared by everybody today. And you know, I wrote a book called The Hero Factor and what separates mm-hmm. great great businesses from other businesses being heroes. When we call those hero businesses, because you know, you know, there goes my hero kind of thing. And 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 that when we see businesses that that live on values that are based on values, they gross more money than anybody else in their industry. They they make more money than anybody else in their industry. They have happier employees. They have customers who are more engaged. They have, you know, vendors who want to do business with them. And, and so values are values are right up there for me. You know, talking about values, uh, that actually leads into my next question. You have been around a tremendous amount of successful people. And as an observer of success, I'm sure that you've picked up along the way common traits common traits that the highly successful all exhibit. Could you share what have been some of these common traits of the highly successful? Oh, fantastic. It's a great question, Jay. And the first thing I would say, it's around the word trust. And when you look at trust, you really need to break it down into, you know, a couple of different pieces. First of all, is the person or is the company that you're dealing with, are they, are they trustworthy? And what do we mean by trustworthy? The first thing you're going to you're going to really evaluate is their sincerity. So that's the first one. You know, are they sincere? Do they really truly believe they drink the Kool-Aid, do they practice it, you know, so forth and so on. Then the second word is really reliability. Do they do it in consistent basis? I mean, that really gives you the, you know, a feeling of, of trust, you know, like I trust someone, I trust that brand. So they're, they're reliable, they're sincere, they believe it. And the third thing is they're competent, you know, because you can have people in your lives who are reliable but not competent. They're going to screw – every time they do it, they're going to screw it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can have competent but not reliable. They, they can do the job. They just never – they never always deliver it on time. They're always late, you know. So those are some of the key ones. The, the other one I would, I would uh, pay attention to is that they're in constant state of awareness. Mm. And that is they're, they're not aware of what they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. So – so they go about looking for things. And, and so once they get something done, they're looking for the next way to improve it, you know. And it doesn't have to be perfect the first time, but once done, strive for perfect. And, and when I find very inquisitive leaders or highly successful people is they have this sense of awareness where they're always looking for something or see something. And then last but not least is they listen, you know. They really, truly have a way of listening to people and listening for things, and, and that lets them see things in a whole different light, and I think that's a really positive piece. You know, I, I love these answers. They have to be good listeners. They have to be aware of what they don't know. And, and I sort of interpret that as when I speak with individuals about the same concept. I said you have to be aware of your deficiencies. What are you deficient at that if called upon, you know you cannot deliver uh, you know, the highly successful know what they're lacking and what needs to be shored up, and they don't get involved in things that they know they're lack. That's that's being aware, right, of where your strengths yeah. and your weaknesses, right? Yep. Yeah, and walk away from those things you're not good at. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, just beca- you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm good at this, and because I'm good at this, I'm also good at this. Uh-uh, no way, Jose, right? 
So that's right. focus on the thing that you're really good at and then and then go find other people that can do the other things you're not good at and or stay out, you know, swim in your lane. I tell people that play your positions, you know. I, you know, it's, you know, some people say, you, like in a football huddle, they say, throw me the ball. Give me the ball. I'm wide open. Well, you're a, you're a lineman, you idiot. Of course you're wide open, you know. You know, uh, you know you, in fact, I don't even want you looking at the ball. Don't even think about the ball, right? And, and, and that's, that's where we sometimes we let, we get, I call it the Johnny Vegas syndrome. We kind of get, we get, we get good at one thing and think we can do others. And, and we really have to be careful of that. And that, and I've found that real great hero leaders or successful leaders, they really have a good sense of who they are and what they can do and how they can do it. Now, and some people might even say sometimes that's bragging, you know, like, that. oh, I know I can do this or I can get this done. Well, it's not bragging if it's real, if it's true. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's one of the cool things you see. But then they also know their limitations, like that's not my area. I, I, should, I should move on. And by the way, that helps them. Another another great uh, tra- trait that we can bring out is they're focused. That that leads to great focus, and the focus leads them to do a lot better job at whatever they're doing. I love it. Brilliant. By the way, I I love the analogy. Swim in your own lanes. That's a mic drop. That is a mic drop, brother. I appreciate that, and it does highlight uh, the the emphasis to 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 stay in, to stay playing your strengths, right? Playing your strengths. Now, let me ask you this before we go to break. I'm going to flip the question a little bit. I, I asked you, what are the common traits that are highly successful? I'm in the final stages right now, Jeff, um, of completing my, my, my next book. It's called The Top Ten Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. the book. And I've got, I've, I, but I want to ask you, based on your opinion, the flip side to that, where we talked about the common traits that are successful. But what would you say, as, as before we go to break here, what would you say is one of those toxic traits that you have seen in others, brother, that you know this person, this is why they cannot get out of their own way? What would you say is just, I'm sure there's many, but what's one? Well, I guess the biggest one would for me would be that you got there by yourself. You know that you're the reason for your success, and and if you if you they, they, that's you know your drive, your ambition, all those things. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'll give you that. Okay, but you didn't get there by yourself. There's a lot of people that made made up that team that got you to where you're at, and you have to constantly remember that. And 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 you know don't be writing your own and believing your own press releases. You've got to understand that you got there because of a lot of great people, and you got to remember to you know. You got to remember to is I think it was Kevin Spacey. He, he said, "When you make it to the top, you got to remember to send the elevator back down for a lot of other people." Hmm. I love that. That's awesome, brother. That's another mic drop. You know, it's interesting because in the book, what you just described in part is the toxic trait that I write about, which is pride. Right. Yeah. When you think I made it on your own, but you're a prideful person. You don't acknowledge the the others who along the way their shoulders you had to stand on. In order to get to, in order for you to be seen, sometimes you had to stand on somebody else's shoulders who allowed you to, to stand on there. So they they made their shoulders available for you to stand on, uh, not recognizing that as prideful. And it's also something to be said about ego, which can be yeah. a, a huge toxic trait, right? And you've seen it, and I've seen it as well. Uh, let, let me ask you this before uh, we'll pick up the question after the break here. But you are on the Apprentice, and you were a judge mm-hmm. for three years. Um, yep. You saw all sorts of different people on that program, uh, different styles, different presentations, different personalities. 
uh, that you identified immediately as someone someone who had who had what it what it took to get to the top. I want to talk about that. What are those attributes that that you can identify in in someone that is just getting started? They haven't made it yet, but they're just getting started, and they want to learn. What are the attributes that Jeff saw in those candidates that immediately you and possibly the other judges decided or determined or maybe internally said, you know what, this this person they got it, they got it. <laughs> so let's pick up after the break about that. Okay. You got it. All right, folks, we'll be right back after the break. Are you having a hard time finding commercial funding? Is this challenge stalling your business goals and dreams? At JRF Financial, we specialize in getting your commercial funding and challenges resolved because we work with the largest SBA lender in the country. We work with over 33 different types of alternative lending and can fund anything from equipment to real estate. So don't let funding challenges stop you. Call JRF Financial at 844 844- 484-6248 or visit us at jrffinancial.org Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host Jay Mamie With the one and only Jeff Hazlett diving into all sorts of goodness and wisdom and insight and perspective to help you thrive uh, in the areas of business and personal development. And we left off, Jeff, I want to ask you that question again. When you were on The Apprentice as a judge for three years, what were the dead giveaways, either in style and presentation or or personality, that you immediately saw in the candidates, which caused you to question whether or not they were going to make it? And how can that be a lesson to striving professionals today? Well, you know, it's a lot of different things from different people because every person's got their own personality and they got their own styles, right? But you'd see, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like Joan Rivers, who I just absolutely adored and, and, and fell in love with and she became a good friend. And you you see grit and determination no matter what it was. And she, I mean, she had to be in her 80s at the time she was on that show, maybe maybe 70-something, but I think it was 80s. And yet she she worked harder than anybody there, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that uh, Patty, who was her n- nemesis in that, uh, she was up against the finale. But, you know, Patty worked hard, too, smart, poker player, you know, knew what she had to do, just different styles in the end, you know, between mm-hmm. a winner and a winner. But those, there were two winners that went to the top. You take a Trace Atkins, you know, uh, country western singer, has become another good friend of mine. The guy was just, uh, you know, he's, he's a country boy. You know, he used to work in a paper plant. And he's mm-hmm. been shot. His, his ex-wife shot him. You know, I mean, he's like, but man, that guy just rolled up his sleeves. He didn't care what he, you know, oh, somebody needs coffee. I'll go get it. You know, he would do the things he needed to do to get it done. But yet it, his leadership style came through. And then, you know, like Pierce Morgan, you, know, you see Pierce uh, abrasive, mm-hmm. you know, in your mm-hmm. face, but smart as the Dickens. But you know what Pierce did better than anyone was listen. You know, and then you take a Gene Simmons, you know, uh, Kiss of Kiss fame. You know, Gene didn't listen, you know, thought he knew better, you know, and in the end got fired, you know. So all those kinds of things. But, yes, they, you know, great leader in his own. Each one's still a great leader. What they do and how they do it just doesn't always apply to teamwork and then winning in the end, you know. And that's what you're always looking for is like, you know, like one of the things Pierce did, which I thought was brilliant, he, Lennox Lewis, uh, you know, Trace Atkins, all those guys that were on that team at the time, they saw what we were trying to do with the Kodak product of, of really up against somebody else in a real tough fight. 
Gene and his team, you know, kind of painted as a Kodak world, which was the old Kodak, and we wanted a new. So it was like, you know, it was really, it was so easy to be able to see the difference of what we wanted and what they what they played to. So co collaboratively speaking, with all those experiences from three years, you've got someone that is launching their 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 business today, or or they just they want to make an impact in in a corporate setting. Maybe they're not a business owner, they're an entrepreneur, but they want to be the best damn employee that a company has. Um, what should they bring to the table? Cut right to the chase. What should they bring to the table that's going to separate them from the rest? Uh, the 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 true grit to get it done. You know, there this you isn't this isn't some fake game. This is real stuff, right? And and a lot of people think business is a certain way when it's really something altogether different. And they they like to think about the business lunches and this and the retreats and this and you know, forty hour weeks. You know, I've never seen a forty hour week. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm in my in my sixties. I'm working on another startup with a, a multi million dollar. Uh, network. I'm in here at 6:37, and I'm the last one out. You know, mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. And if, if it, and by the, you know, and last weekend I was at blowing the parking lot because it needed cleaning. Whatever you got to do, you do right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you want to you want to know is be realistic about the money and the time, and the things you're going to have to give up because um, you're going to have to give up a lot if you're getting it started. But but the rewards are great, and you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. The key is for you to be one in those once in a blue moon, and usually what carries that once in a blue moon that makes you that unicorn that makes you that successful business is the true grit. It's the it's the realization. If the toilets need cleaning, you're going to clean them. You know, the only person that's responsible for your success is looking back in the mirror every single day at you. You know, I, I love that, uh, Jeff, because you paid the price, right? And uh, I didn't. You're in your 60s. You've got a new project you mentioned, and you're starting. You determined long time ago, and this is what I'm hearing from you, and, I, and it's obvious. You determined long time ago that you were willing to pay the price. You knew what the price was going to be, and you were willing to pay it, obviously, and you recognized the cost. There's always a cost, and there's always going to be a price to pay. I think a lot of people, they fail at becoming as successful as they can, whether it's in business, an, an employee, it doesn't matter, whatever endeavor because, number one, they don't recognize the price that has to get paid. They don't even know what the price is, let alone recognize it, let alone commit to paying it. And they don't count the costs. So they yeah, kind of go or, in this thing, they wing it. Yeah, and you've got to realize that life's like a teeter-totter. Business is like a teeter. You push on one side, it's got to give on the other. To give, you got to get. To get, you got to give. And, mm. and you have to go into it with that mindset. And so you're going to have to sit down, you know, in your life. Like my kids would say, Daddy, we want you home more. Okay, great. All right, let's sit down and figure out we're not going to go to Disney World this year, okay? We're not going to do that, okay? Um, we're not going to – I'm not going to take you to go see the World Cup in France. I'm not going to take you – I'm not going to – we're not going to go to Australia for the Outback vacation. Which one of these do you want – all these things do you want to give up? Well, we don't want to give that up. Well, then Daddy's got to go back to work. Brilliant. <laughs> so, so let's talk about those things. Now, uh, you know, maybe we can change it. We'll just go camping instead, or we'll do these things, and then Dad can be home more, or we can do these. What would you like to do? Well, those are expectations you have to – it's a, it's that teeter-totter. you got to push. You know, we got to push on one side, something's got to give on the other, and everybody needs to understand that. I love it. Excellent advice. Excellent. I love that teeter-totter uh, comparison. It's, it's brilliant. Let me ask you this. 
what should a business, let, let's talk about long-term success, right? Because sometimes, as you know, businesses come and go, you know, they're fly-by-nights, you know, they're one-hit wonders. What should a business owner or, or an entrepreneur know about today's marketplace? Marketplaces change, right? Five years, 10, 15, 20 years ago, different from today. But what about today's marketplace does the business owner need to know and adjust to if they're going to have any shot at long-term success in their respective industry? First, it's speed. You know, COVID didn't cause this transformation to digital, but it sure as hell accelerated. So since COVID, you know, days have become weeks, weeks have become months, months have become years. So the speed of which you have to move is incredible. And the other piece of it is, you, again, I said this earlier, you don't have to be perfect, but once done, strive for perfect. The key is to get it done. And, and last but not least, even in a difficult climate, even I just wrote a, a new ebook which is out, and you can go to the c-suite-network.com site and pick it up. It's free. But it's, it's about how to survive the recession and never waste a good crisis because we're going to see some recession. It's going to be a light recession. I've had uh, on my television show this last week, I've had a, a number of economists that came on the show and talked about it, where we're going to be. But even in bad times, there's great businesses that have been born. HHP, Uber, uh, Airbnb, mm-hmm. just to name a few that, that have succeeded. And they did so by doing one thing, and that's solving the problem. So what problem are you going to solve? Because if you want a shot at long-term success in any industry, you have to focus on, on solving problems. Not what you think is the problem, but what is truly the problem which people will pay you a lot of money in order to solve and keep coming back to you in order to keep solving it. And and so I think that's where you want to keep in. Whether good times or bad times, that's what that's what'll work for you. Excellent advice. Find a problem, find a solution to a problem, and you'll never run about never run out of opportunity for sure. Uh, and you actually did that with C suite executive. So yep. in our in our last few minutes here, uh, what was the inspiration behind launching one of the most successful high level networking groups, C suite executive? which is rocking every Fridays. Uh, what was the inspiration, brother, to do that? Yeah, our C-suite network came about as a result of, one, just seeing the value of being with other C-suite executives. You know, when I was the Fortune 100 officer in one of the top companies in the world, you know, I saw the value of getting together with other people that were similar to us, right, in terms mm-hmm. of size or role, you know, industry, whatever. And by doing so, there was great collaboration that you could have for that. And I, when, I left, when I left Kodak, I started my own television show called The C-Suite with Jeffrey Hazel, which was the number one show on Bloomberg. And, and I took people inside the C-Suite where 99% of the people that worked for the company never got to go and then talked about what were those conversations, how did they solve problems, how did they work together, how did they have hyper growth, how did they save the company from bankruptcy, whatever it might be, all kinds of different different kinds of programs, shift the brand, change the brand promise, you know, all these different things. And, and, you know, people were watching, people were paying attention. And so as a result of that, we said, man, People want to listen to this. They want they want education. They want motivation. They want inspiration. And they also want a chance at engagement around uh, of getting more business, monetization. So so what we did was we decided to put together. We were going to start a CEO network, and there's a lot of those out there. And then I, then one of our teams said, why aren't we calling this the C-suite? Why aren't we doing it like the show? And second, why aren't we going after more than just the CEO? 
What about the CFO, the CIO, the CMO, the, the chief security officer, chief revenue officer? And there was a lot more of those around than just being CEO. So we said, you know, you're right. It takes a team, you know. Um, and so we started the C-Suite Network. That night, we, we changed the logo and, and signed up. Instead of owning, we still own the CEO Network.com. We changed it to C-Suite Network.com overnight and relaunched it, changed the press release, and that was history. Where could someone right now plug into uh, your Friday afternoon uh, get-together? Yeah, They're very, so very different. Yeah, celebrate, exactly. And, and it's global. I know that the uh, anyone yep. from anywhere can really chime in and be a part of it. In our last minute or two, where the, the information on your program, Jeff, obviously the C-suite networking, uh, where can people track you down? And we're going to put it up on our site anyway. Oh, but, that's great. Thank you. You, know, you can find it yeah, at C-Suite Network, so it's C-Suite, S-U-I-T-E, network.com. And there you can go and you find the C-Suite Book Club, the C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, our podcast network. We've got over 450 podcasts there, uh, you know, t tons of TV shows, C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Loans, you know, our marketplace. Everything is there. You can find everybody. And you'll find events. So click on the events and find it. We have over 400 events this year. Uh, Friday wow. nights are, is a place for everybody to come together. You know, like pre-COVID, we used to get together and stop off at a pub or a bar and meet up with our friends, and we'd share stories of what happened during the week. We, maybe we gave each other a high five or a pat in the back because it was a good week, or maybe you gave somebody a hug because it was a really crappy week. Well, that's what mm -hmm. celebrates is a chance to come bring wine to water to whiskey and, and get together and, and, again, have a little motivation and some inspiration, some education, because and we break down at, into tables in the rooms, just like you're sitting at a pub or a bar, and you get to meet new people, and then we come back, share, go back, and we always have a secret guest, like we had the, the CEO of WD40 on the other day. We had a, mm -hmm. uh, a QVC uh, television host on the other day. We had the former CMO of Walmart on uh, a couple weeks ago. So, you know, these are the folks that we have come and join us. You never who knows who's next to you in the, in the square next to you. It could be a billionaire. could be a new startup. could be someone's having a tough day. And it's a place for us to come together and, and just, uh, you know, be friends and to help each other and work together. And, and everybody's job is to come give a give. So you, your job is to bring something to the table, just like, you, you know, get together for Thanksgiving, you bring a hot dish. Well, here you bring, you bring, hey, I can do this for you or I'll do this for you. And it's a chance to get together and mingle. And it's great. Well, Jeff, I appreciate everything you're doing for the business community. You are certainly walking in your alignment. I know that we've, as I said earlier, this is just the first chapter of the long library, uh, the long list of, of content and chapters that are still remaining in your life for, for the world to experience. We appreciate you being on the show, brother. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. So you've built a successful business. Now what? Transform your successful business into a valuable business. That's where Dumont Capital Partners comes in. We've built a step-by-step -step process designed to drive up your business's value and give you back control over your time. Whether you want to sell for a premium or just know that you could, Dumont Capital Partners will give you the life and business you deserve. Contact us at valuebuilderus.com. That's valuebuilderus.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In studio, I'm excited to have a returning guest, Jolene Rich. Jolene Rich is not only the brainchild behind Rich Results, but she helps organizations find the talent that's experienced and customizes talent searches, and she does that every single time, which is why she is the go-to person in this industry. But she was on our show last month. She provided tremendous value. Our January program was all about empowering women, and she just knocked it out of the box. So so we're going to have her back again today and again the following month. I got a feeling she's going to be a regular on this program. So uh, Jolene Rich, welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thanks, Jay. Happy to be here. You know, you mentioned something in our initial uh, broadcast when you first uh, came on that caught my attention. And I wanted to revisit that because that alone was a conversation that needed to be heard, especially our show today is focusing on talent and executive talent and how do you find the best people. And, you know, our prior guests have uh, spoken about that. So bringing you on to chat about unconscious biases is so important but i want to ask you first you know how do you find the best talent in order to build productive teams um and while dealing with this unconscious biases and and describe what unconscious biases also please for our listeners yeah i mean that's a, a great question because we have to start with a definition because we all have unconscious biases right mm-hmm. it's our biology. It's how we were created thousands and thousands of years ago when we needed to be afraid of something or someone that was different. But that's not the case anymore. Yet our biology is still sort of talking for us, not to mention our experiences growing up, mm-hmm. our environments growing up, what we've learned in school or in our families. It all happens. It all goes into what what becomes our unconscious biases. So let me ask you, on, on one hand right now, we're reading about layoffs. And yeah. yeah, unemployment is at three, three and a half percent. Companies are still struggling to find the right talent, even though you would you, know, you drive around and you see hiring people signs all over the place, but there's still a struggle to find the right talent. Why is that? And what's getting in the way of finding and hiring the best talent? Well, uh, there are a lot of things getting in the way of finding the best talent, but What I really want to talk about today is how our unconscious biases, and I say unconscious because most people are not doing it on purpose, not um, leaving people out of a search or thinking about people differently on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so they really are unconscious biases. When you say people, you're referring to... to, um... Leaders. Leaders and companies are often leaving people out of a search because of their biases that they're not even aware of. And so the first thing I always encourage is education and training in companies so people become aware of the most common biases that show up in the recruiting process, mm-hmm. right? And there are many experts in DEI. You've maybe had some on the show. Um there's, you know, uh Michelle Bogan, Cheryl Orr, these are great people to be giving uh training to people on unconscious biases and what shows up in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But it's the only way that you're going to be aware of it so that you can hire better people. Okay. So, you know, the four types of biases that come up the most often, right. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many, there are so many, but one of them, for example, is called the halo effect. You know, when someone walks in the room and there's just something about them, they remind you of somebody great. And Mm -hmm. so from the moment they walk in the room, you Mm -hmm. only have positive feelings about Mm -hmm. them or they went to your school, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. 
it's really hard to look at people objectively when that is the first thing you think of. But imagine the opposite, because right. the opposite happens also. Mm -hmm. Someone comes in, oh my gosh, they remind you of your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, or an ex-boss who you know, treated you terribly, or they go to the school that you couldn't stand. You know, The football teams played against each other, whatever it is. It's usually more complicated than that. And then that's your feeling, even if you don't realize it, you have that bias inside as you are asking questions and going through the recruiting process. And the most common we hear of all the time is like affinity bias. So when you ask the question, how do we find great talent? My answer is cast a wide net. Don't only look in your network. Because if you only look in your network and only look at the school you went to or the company that you came from, you're going to be missing out from people who have different experiences, who come from just a different environment and bring something different to the table. Because we know, and there have been studies that have shown that the more diversity there is in a company, the better the company is and there's more productivity. McKinsey reports, um, Bloomberg has reported, many you know, objective organizations have shown that when you have a, a company and you have teams with people from different experiences, mm -hmm. they're more productive. You know, you, you hit something that uh, struck me as, as fairly obvious because I recall just actually was about two weeks ago. I was in, uh, interviewing someone for, for an opportunity and, and also for uh, uh, one of my companies. And uh, a sharp, sharp, sharp individual, and he has shared with me that he couldn't figure out why his last interview, e his interview, didn't go well, and he was uh, searching again. He come to find out that he f heard from the person who had introduced him to that employer that the employer didn't choose him, not because he wasn't qualified, but his mannerisms reminded him of a salesperson who sold to him, I think it was a car, that, that ripped him off like a year ago. So immediately... This person who I was interviewing didn't even stand a chance, regardless of what was on his resume and his qualifications. It's crazy. Yeah, amazing. And imagine now, and so you brought up a good point. It's kind of confusing out there. We're, we're hearing about all these layoffs, although most of the layoffs are happening right now in the tech industry right. and larger companies. Okay, right. But yet still, we have record unemployment record low unemployment, 3.4%, mm -hmm. like you mm -hmm. said, right? So companies are still struggling to find talent. The companies I work with most are small, mid-sized companies, and they might not have the reputation, right? So they need to be able to find talent in different ways, right? And so by just addressing our biases like that situation, mm -hmm. he could have probably had a great person on his team. I agree. But it's just, boom, all of a sudden you're like, nope, can't have this person, reminds me of somebody else. You know, I thought to myself as I was listening to this fella, and, and I felt bad for him, yeah. but I thought immediately, well, sucks for the other guy. I got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And so that's true because companies that are open to learning about people and learning about their experiences and having a fair recruiting process, that's, mm -hmm. that's something that we should talk about because, you know, often what happens in the recruiting process is so, you know, First impression, that's one well, thing. Well, before we get into the yeah, recruiting okay. process, because I, I got a lingering question. Yeah. Because I can almost hear my listeners. They're saying to themselves, 
uh, if there's a leadership person out there, a director and hiring manager who's thinking to himself, you know what, how do I even know if I have unconscious bias? Because if it's unconscious to me, it's something I don't even know that I don't even know. So how do you, if you're serious about hiring the right people, right? How do you now, knowing that, hey, I could be experiencing unconscious, how do you even know that, that you're experiencing it? What's one of the most important leadership traits? I think self-awareness. And I think the process to have better self-awareness is often just asking yourself those questions and being aware of the biases that you might have by kind of turning it around and saying, am I thinking something? You know, there actually is um, an assessment you can take and um, that Harvard Business School created, and it actually shows you biases in a whole bunch of different areas, wow. age, race, all these different areas. Um, and you can, I'll send you the link for it, but there are ways that you can tell if you have biases, but most important, self-awareness. That's amazing. You know, age is a, that's another bias, right? We forgot about that one. Um, race and I mean, all, all sorts of it, but you were making a point. I didn't mean to interrupt, but mm -hmm. I just wanted to clarify, uh, you know, how people can recognize whether or not they're unconscious about something, but you were making another point that was really interesting. Please go. Yeah, I was talking about how to create a recruiting process that's more fair and really in a time where it's so hard to find great talent is going to help you find better talent. Mm -hmm. And so it really is about, okay, what are you doing in the recruiting process? What, let's start with, with the questions. Are you asking different questions to every person who walks in the door or the same questions, right? That's number one. You have to make sure that your questions are the same for every single person. Now, now why is that important? Because it goes right back to often what we do is start asking questions that have to do with our agenda versus the job. Got it. And we need to stick to what the job entails to know if the person can do the job. That's a great point. Excellent. Please. Yeah. The other thing is a lot of times we have a panel interview. But interestingly enough, what shows up on panel interviews is conformity bias. Mm -hmm. That means... For example, if you're on a panel and you're the owner of the company or you're the president and then you have four more people on the interview panel and they're at a lower position than you, if you say the first thing on your mind, it's going to be really hard for other people to say what they think. So what you need to do is either make sure that everyone is writing down what they think and go over their answers afterwards, or have each person be responsible for a different part of the interview. This person is responsible for, you know, the technology requirements. This person is responsible for fit. Do they have the, the right values to work in my company? This person, you know, and, mm -hmm. and on and on. And that way, you each are looking at a different part of it, and so you can have a better conversation. Where do you find, then, in it, just in that alone, when you have panels Obviously, uh, you know, panel interview can be great or it can be disastrous. Is there usually one person in that panel that is struggling with unconscious bias more than the others? And if so, why even bother having a panel interview then? Why do, why do companies do it? Well, I think the reason they do it is because they want more people involved in the decision-making process. And sometimes it can be great. I think the candidate needs to be aware of what's happening. The candidate needs to be prepared for 
the fact that there are going to be three or four or however many people that are talking to them. Mm-hmm. And they should also be aware of the structure. So I think that's the fair way to do it. But it's also a way for if you don't have a lot of time for everyone to be in the same room at the same time okay. versus taking 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. You know, Makes sense. So I want you to give me the additional bullet points because you're loaded with information. You are a library of information when it comes to uh, hiring the and creating a, the, the most effective recruiting process and hiring process. You've got about six or seven more <coughs> bullet points. Let, let's go from because I know they're spectacular and, and hiring managers should hear this. Okay, so in terms of how to create a fair recruiting process, we talked about um, asking people the same questions. Also, Mm -hmm. look at your job descriptions. Are the job descriptions including words that might target a certain person and keep others away from it? Mm. And that's a whole other type Mm -hmm. of, you can do Google searches about that. Also, adjust your search parameters to include potential candidates with strong transferable skills. All these people that are being laid off from tech companies, they have a lot of skills that can be used in any other project management skills can be used in the construction industry. The IT skills are needed everywhere. Healthcare needs them. So we have to think about not just transferable skills, but also transferable experiences. And then finally, I would say to expand your search and cast a wider net outside of your network. I like what you said earlier uh, when you and I were, t- were chatting off air. Conduct blind resume reviews in 30 seconds. What does that mean, conduct blind resume reviews? When you're looking at resumes, take out the demographic information, including their name, their address, and their photo. Brilliant. Because often that's what leads us to have these biases. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, you know, this is why we value experts on the show, because this content is fabulous. And I know that it's going to impact the- the moving forward, the, the hiring methodology that some of our listeners who are in positions to hire will continue to, to hire those folks that are the best talent. Jolene Risch, you are the founder of Risch Results, fantastic organization here in Dallas-Fort Worth. How can people reach you to learn more about how you can help their organization hire the right people? RischResults.com. Jolene Risch at RischResults.com. Contact me. I can help you. We have a 100% fill rate. And your information is going to be up at our website anyhow. So we appreciate you being here, and we will hear from you and see you again next month. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic week of thrive-minded content from incredible people sharing incredible messages. Until next Sunday, keep thriving.